Welcome to the Oh My God podcast, season two, with your co-hosts, Zelda Lebowitz and Hannah Rachel Cohen Portnoy. In season one, the podcast aimed to talk about success in the face of failure, modern Judaism, and real life. Season two will deliver the same message, but even more potently. Zelda and Hannah Rachel have individually and collectively been challenged by the Jewish system they grew up in. Through their evolution, through their questions, failures, mistakes, and heartbreaks, they've begun to untangle much of what was keeping them in survival mode so they could truly be set free to thrive. This is what they'll dissect each week with you, the Jewish journey, real, raw, and vulnerable. Because that is the only thing that can truly change lives and maybe even save them. You're only one episode away from being more honest with yourself. This week's guest is Toby Rubenstein. Tune in to hear this incredible episode, and we're so excited that it's the first of this season. Now, over to Zelda and Hannah Rachel. Well, Toby, to start off the the episode, I would love to I would love for our listeners um, to get to know who you are uh, more personally. So, if you could share um, with our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, how you got here. Um, and we'll take it from there. Oh, that, that you know, I, I'm, I'm still a work in process to, to answer that question as to who I am. Right. That's, I'm, I, I'm gonna work an entire lifetime to figure out who I am. I think all of us should do that. Um, you know, never rest on your laurels, just keep working on who you are um, and who you can become. But um, just to give you a background, I'm a product of Beis Yaakov, um, all-girl parochial school in Queens from first grade until high school. I grew up in an Orthodox home in Kew Garden Hills. Um, I went the path of you know, trying to marry the right person and do the right thing. And sometimes the right thing just doesn't always, is not always right for you. Um, I pursued um, a fashion career simply because my parents said to me, you know what, I think you know how to shop, so go shop for a living. Um, I took that as a dare and made it into a career. Um, I spent my whole life in really two um, avenues. I mean, you know, I've had 40 plus years in the, in the fashion industry and some you know, without, without tapping myself on the back, pretty high positions with really powerful corporate um, fashion labels. Plus I am entrenched in my Judaism. Um, and that all started from a base Yaakov girl that didn't get the right answers. And, you know, I'm spending the rest of my life trying to get the right answers to understand how rich, powerful, meaningful, and incredible Jewish women are that I didn't really learn from my base Yaakov background, but I think that just launched me to what I am today. So I wear many hats. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the fashion industry, but you know, I've done controversial things. I have my smicha, I was a Rebetzin, I'm now a rap. I've got all titles. So, and I learn every day. So I'm just, I'm just Toby Rubenstein. I'm just me. <laughs> That's incredible. That's really, really amazing. And I, I, I feel like I know that I relate to growing up with, I know, I know Kala Rachel also really much uh, resonates with the idea of growing up within Judaism, within Orthodoxy, within the system, really, you know, yes. pushed by, by all of the beauty, all the traditions, and, and still feeling like something's missing or missing. And uh, which, bring, which is really uh, the gateway to our next question, which is what was your relationship with Judaism in the sense that 
we know that you know something was missing. You 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 went, you made, you got your smicha, and you went and you, you know, wanted to further understand, further educate yourself in what this all is. But what was, you know, what was what was the questions? What was the the hardship within yourself that caused you to search? Um, and how was if you could take us on that journey? Okay. Well, um, I I think that. Um, it, you know, it started probably way back, you know, when I was a teenager, I went through a very horrible situation with my own parents' divorce. At the time, the divorce was not exactly common within this yeshiva background, you know, back in, you know, I'm dating myself, I'm not even going to say the number, but back, 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 back then. Um, and I, I found myself very, you know, I, I resisted being put in a box. I don't want people, I don't want to be put in, this is the only place you could be. But then again, I tried, I tried, you know, my whole life I tried to fit in, um, which also is not a really good thing to do. So I, I think it was launched with um, how the, how this neighborhood treated me after my parents got divorced. Um, I was a victim of what happened to me. Um, and um, I, Married, I, I thought that if I married the right person at that time and I, I ticked all the boxes, you know, of what I'm supposed to do, that that somehow would would um, fortify me to stay on the right path. And, and it actually really didn't. Um, I through the course of my life, I've gone in and out of my, you know, observance level. You know, I've, I've tried to find my way. But in the course of finding my way of trying, of, of desperately getting out of a box that I was supposed to be in, I actually found how rich and beautiful my Judaism. Take for instance, just the last, you know, the last, we'll call it a transaction um, of getting my smicha. I mean, I was going through my third divorce, which is also extremely uncommon coming from my background. I should even say that's my third divorce. You know, it's like, it's abnormal, but okay. I was going through my third divorce. I was a very, very um, uh, um, public um, person. I was married to a public person. Um, the press got a hold of me in the situation. They labeled me as, you know, I thought they were just going to make me wife number four, and this is where I'd stay, Leo Lamvaed. And as really as as a sense of revenge and someone and, and a place where I don't, you can't label me. I refuse to let you put me in this place. I'm going to do something completely crazy. Um, of course, I asked my I asked my family permission to do so. You know, I, I also come from a family who's, you know, above of. So, you know, I don't have to tell you how orthodox that is, that I just went to ask permission. I thought I was going to get hell for doing this. You know, like, why are you doing this? Isn't, haven't you done enough? Haven't you been a black sheep enough in this family? What are you going to, what are you going to embarrass us with this? But actually in, 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 with my uncle that I asked permission, in his infinite wisdom, he said to me, because in that world, my name is Tobolea. Um, that he said to me, you know what, Tobley, if, if this is the path that you're going to do and you're going to choose to do something this controversial, then you better be the best that you could be. Mm -hmm. And really what he was saying is that, you know, I know that because she's going to go this path, she's going to learn more. She's going to fall more in love with her Judaism. And that's exactly what happened. Um, 
what started off as nakama, as revenge, actually was my salvation. And I fell more and more in love with my Judaism. So as I cracked or busted through every ceiling that everyone told me, no, you can't, no, 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 my love for my Judaism and my observance level became more and more. So it was almost like the flip side of something. So that's why I, I'm, I, I really believe that you have to live, you know, like it's called chutz la machane, you're outside the camp in order for you to get the whole thing so you could see how beautiful Judaism is. It relate, it, you can live in all the world and still hang on to your Judaism. If there's some, and I could, you know, I could testify for that. Well, I want to just add, I love how wise your uncle was and sensitive to you. Oh. It really pushed you on a certain level. Yes, and my father as well. You know, my father is very, my father, may he rest in peace, is very, very from. And, you know, I would practice with him every week. I'd have to practice my sermon with him, you know, because that was part of, of, you know, the studies. So like, you know, what are you going to say in front of if you had a congregation, which I had no intention of having. But, um, you know, in the end, you know, my father, you know, I spent six months with my father. He became very, very sick. And in the end, he told every rub, the, 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 the rabbi that taught me the most was my own daughter, wow. which was to me worth everything. And the fact that I was there when my father passed away and I was able, you know, I was able to be there for him in a way that we learned every single day in the hospital and we had deep Torah discussions. That's a big step from being a little Basiaco girl in Queens. Wow. Big step. Wow, that's unbelievable. That gave me the goosebumps. Yeah. That actually leads us to our next question because generally, I mean, especially being a Gedalia Fenster fan um, and listening to almost his, his class almost every single day. Daily, right? The problem is the solution, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so all of our challenges and all of our mistakes and all of our difficulties are really from Hashem. And really, it's ultimately a gift. Yes. So I'm curious how you found your challenges and your you know, difficulties to be your actual gift. It's a very good question. Um, uh, you know, my, late, my, my latest challenge was probably my largest gift. I really thought that every gift was, that was it. I was finished. You know, like, you know, divorce number one, that I'm done. You know, divorce number two, I'm done. Divorce number three, I'm done. I thought that I was done. And then I thought, okay, I thought, and, and then God was like, no, 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 Toby, we're not done with you. I mean, the fact that I, you know, I'm, I, I was, I was diagnosed with stage four uterine cancer, um, uh, actually in, in 2021, um, it, that was my kick in the butt that said, okay, Toby, um, how are you gonna handle this? This is now your greatest challenge. This is now a matter of life and death. How are you gonna go about this? And um, having discussions with all of my friends that I really feel close to, you know, I call them my prayer warriors, my rabbis, and including and having intense conversations with Gadalia, it was like, okay, Toby, this is it. All the work that you've been doing, trying to fuse the house of faith and fashion, which is something that I, you know, a, a place that I've lived in my entire life, instead of just talking about it and being scared what people are going to say, you know, how, who are you to put fashion together with Torah? You, now's your time, you got to do it. So that was my greatest gift in order for me to find my purpose. 
which was always my purpose, but just have guts enough to say, okay, I'm actually making it into a book and into a movement. I don't care if I'm the only one. I don't care if I go through any controversy of people, people, you know, um, challenging me on every front. I know I have the ability to do it. I know this is what Hashem wants me to do. This is my purpose. And, and all in my whole life worked for this moment. But if I didn't go through the last situation of, of uterine cancer and a year of chemotherapy and, and a major operations and everything that goes along with it, I don't think that I would have done what I, what I'm on the path of doing, which is, you know, which is okay. I got to plug my book, everybody, you know, the house of favorite fashion and I'm writing the second, the, you know, the second book and go and, and, now getting involved with you know bigger venues in order for me to in order for everyone to understand that you know god is in the creative process right how did you know what your purpose was it sounds like you were very clear what was that was it a feeling was it just like a deep knowing i think i i think it was one of those you know toby what's your legacy what are you leaving behind you know what did you do what are they going to say about you? You know, what, what are you contributing to this world? Um, and, and I said, you know, I, I have, I, I really, I'm compelled to do this. And I just had this feeling of, oh, you got this, Toby, you know, these two things, you know, these two subjects, you got them. You've been, you know, you've been living this now, just take, take your philosophy and go out there and it's going to be okay. And, you know, really in the back of my mind is what's the worst that can happen? I mean, I'm diagnosed with stage four uterine cancer. What are they going to do to me? What's, what is anyone going to do to me now? I've been through everything. I, I you know, it's like I've survived. Wow. And, and that, that purpose actually was my, survi- was my survival tactic for what I was about to, what, what I was going through, because I just said, you know what, I can't, I can't live in this disease. This disease does not define me. I mean, I remember, I mean, the best story is, is that, you know, uh, I, I, you know who Elizabeth Sutton is? Okay. So Elizabeth, this is Elizabeth Sutton on the cover. Elizabeth Sutton, uh, Elizabeth Sutton designed this and this is her. And Elizabeth happens to be, you know, a very, very dear, really like a daughter for me. Um, and she said, you know, let's just, you know, let's just design this book so we know that it's happening. Now, this book was, the photograph in this book was shot while I was in my second round of chemo, hooked up to everything you could think of with a nurse and my doctor on the side, me and my iPhone with, with, with the photographer and Elizabeth in Florida shooting the cover of my book while I'm in chemo because my doctor said, what, what are you doing? I said, this is the only way I'm going to stay alive. Okay. okay. This is it. So that's how clear I was. Wow. That's amazing. And I actually, I loved your book. I read it. Okay. And, um, the House of Faith and Fashion. And I think that what's so amazing about it is like you said, these two subjects that I know, like Judaism and fashion um, and bringing them together and fusing them as one. And I find that to be really, for me, like an underlying philosophy in life in general, that everything at the end of the day is supposed to become in alignment with ourselves. Like there's no separate parts of us. The parts of us that are like, oh, this is my my home self. This is the home version. This is a work version. This is my social version. The fact that we as a society have normalized different versions and like lack of alignment 
is actually the disease, you know, where we have like different masks. Departmental, we departmentalize our whole lives. No, the Torah is supposed to follow you wherever you are. Exactly. That's, that is the point of my, that's the point of my book. And then to, then to, to bring proof, I'm like, you know, I, like I said, there is nothing more, there's no more elaborate couture outfit than the Kohen Gadol, than the high priest. I mean, to spend two chapters on the construction of this garment. You, you know, when you're in Beis Yaakov and you're, you know, you're a little girl, you don't, you don't necessarily, you don't see what's going on. You don't, hello, you, I'm sorry, I got a phone call in the middle. You don't, you don't realize what you're learning. You go, wow, okay, that when you're in the garment industry or when you're in fashion, you go, wow, Techeles, what a blue. Oh my God. And the trim, you mean every other part has to be a bell of a beautiful trim that goes on. The undergarment, the lace, the, the, the embroidery, the fitting. And then we're not even talking about jewelry. I mean, when you think about that, you, when you think about that breastplate, it's like the most elaborate thing you could possibly think of. So why would, why would God instruct for this type of garment to be made if clothes don't make a difference? Also, on the other end, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong, we'll say, um, uh, a screamer about I don't understand where re very religious means ugly. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know when that equation started. I don't know where, or that means you have to completely disappear. I don't know what that, I don't know where that came from. And I'm totally anti it. So you could say the combination of all of that is, I, I, that's where the house of faith and fashion is born. It's almost like I'm screaming, don't you know how gorgeous you are? Don't you know how gorgeous Hashem wants you to be? Take that with you wherever you go yeah. and understand that what you represent. And it's a big thing to be called the, the daughter of a queen. I mean, why do we think that Kate Middleton is so fabulous when what Hashem told us that we are Kate Middleton? Why yeah. don't we think we're fabulous? I don't understand it. So yeah. I, this is, I don't, this is a philosophy I don't understand because I didn't have that in my time. So I'm watching things get worse. Right. Yeah, so I definitely think, I mean, I, I really believe that the pride that we feel when um, we get reconnected, like a balchuba, or that pride really, which it lies within the autonomy of the person's own choices. You know, like mm -hmm. I'm connecting, I'm doing, I'm learning. You know, when, when someone else outside of us is forcing us to enjoy this delicious cake, it doesn't become delicious anymore. It's, it becomes right. disgusting. And I think that that is an actual issue. And, you know, obviously after the Holocaust, we, we all were in this mindset of preservation, Jewish identity, you know, after the real trauma that we had after the Holocaust, but now there's a new trauma. Now there's a trauma from that trauma and people are all waking up. I do feel like the system is slowly, um, you know, become, yeah, it is transforming, but it's because of people like you that are awakening and igniting within these young uh, boys and girls, young teenagers, who you know, show a lot of apathy maybe, but they're like the systems and the authority and the, you know, the new schools that are being um, founded every day, they're coming with a different mindset, which is not like you have to, you're forced, but really trying to take 
what is already in each child, that value, that excitement, that personality, and say, this is what Hashem wants from you, not you need to, you know, remove this part of you and serve Hashem. Mm-hmm. I understand. I mean, I, it's a matter of, you know, it's always how you merchant, it's always how you package something. It's yeah. called, it's called packaging. It's brand, we're rebranding it. It's really the same thing. If you, you know, if you, if you start off teaching a religion where everything is no, and as in Yiddish, everything's maturnished. I mean, I don't know if you understand Yiddish, but if everything is no, um, you know, it, it starts off with a negative thing. But on the other hand, I do have to say, if everything is maturnished, or on the other side, everything is hefgevelt, which means everything's a free world, either one of them is very, very dangerous. And by the way, very easy, very easy. No to everything, yes to everything. Like, a, like I'm sure we're all parents. We know how to you know, raise our kids. If you told your kids no to every single thing, you'd have one messed up kid. If you told your kid, yeah, everything, I don't really care, do whatever you want, also one messed up kid. The idea is that you really have to consciously be aware of every single thing that you do and make and make an assessment. I think I really think that that's really like the Benoni, you know, if you study Tanya, the Benoni is that middle ground, which means you have to actually think. You have to think for yourself and understand what am I doing? What does this represent? What does Hashem want from me? Do you think this is the right thing to do? So on and so forth. Instead of these two things coming at you of no 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 yes 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 yeah that's why i think it's so beautiful that you fused both the fashion world with torah and you yes. together and i, think I totally that, see it yeah and hashem wants us to look beautiful and he wants us to feel happy and he wants us to enjoy life and it's like when everything's maternish it's so extreme and it becomes very unbearable and i think right. that's and this has to be ugly or you have to just hide yourself and minimize yourself it's actually the opposite of what really religion is. I mean, think about Aisha's Chayel, all the beautiful, you know, David Amelot's praise to his mother. And it's really the most fashionable, beautiful, honorable, respectable woman. So I'd love that. Yeah. yeah well, you know, it's funny because I, I was actually, I'm preparing for something for a, a, a forum for Shavuos um, about something such as this. And I went back to Aisha's Chayel and actually read it in English. And what's so interesting is, is that this particular woman that's being described in this poem, she does go out into the real world and work. She does go to the marketplace. She does expose herself to the outside world. She lives in both worlds. Yet it's so interesting how that somehow got translated into, oh, she, uh, you know, that's not Sneas. Uh, do, do, uh, you know, it's, it's funny, do, actually, do, do, they, do they read what they're saying? Because she's everything. She's out, she's doing the outside work and she's doing the inside work and there's nobody else like her because why? Because she can balance, the beauty about her is that she can balance this and still be that Aisha Chayel. So an Aisha Chayel is a very complicated creature. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But I think it's also important to, to mention just because I think that when I got married for the first time, now I'm um, remarried, but I remember I was so young, I was 19 and there was this pressure that I had to juggle everything and I had to be everywhere at home. And and I think that the idea of being outside of the home isn't so much as like, oh, I'm perfect outside and I'm inside and I'm here and I'm there and I'm everywhere because then we end up being nowhere. But yeah, I feel like what I learned from it is that we are everywhere where where we are, we're hundred percent present. And why, where do we get that strength 
because we're tapped in to right. yeah, we're tapped into divinity. And I think that that's actually, I don't know, I don't remember where it's sourced, but it says when it comes to like finding a wife and why we need to be married, you know, it says like he goes out to the marketplace, you know, right. Just, right. a regular person goes out and finds a woman because it, the question is like, why even get married? Like, what is the reason why we get married to have children? You could have children without getting married mm-hmm. to, uh, for partnership. You could have a partner without being married um, for beauty. You know, that fades. You end up, you end up with, um, you end up aging and your partner, you know, you're not, you're not maintaining your beauty all your years. So what's the reason? And it cannot be any physical reason that you could find in the marketplace. It, what, what's the thing? It's the divine that we're tapped in to bring, you know, bringing Hashem into the union. And I think that for me, at least that really helped with like trying to be so perfect everywhere where I'm like, I'm also working outside and not yeah. just being identified only like a mother or not just being identified only like a working woman but it's really impossible to maintain perfection everywhere unless we are connected to something way beyond ourselves well it's first of all even if we're connected to Hashem on a, you know on a, on a you know on a moment by moment basis it's impossible to be perfect I mean perfect right. is an impossibility and it's actually you know it's it's a pipe dream and it's so interesting you know we don't say that home to ourselves um the men say it to us you know as far as their ep- you know as as far as their the epitome of, a, of what a woman is I always say they should swap it out for Shia Hashirim instead mm-hmm. of uh because it's so much more romantic to, to like say that. that, to say that instead of Asia Spayo. But besides all that, um, I think that women in general, I don't think it's just Jewish women have that, you know, have that impossibility, you know, to the more that the world opens up and we are supposed to achieve, the more that's expected of us, the more impossible it gets. Um, and then, you know, there's a whole other layer that's out there that's again, you know, the definition of exactly who we are in the real world is also at stake. You know, we have we have a we we have a big big battle on every stage, um, and that's and that I don't and really truthfully that I don't envy the next generation with not even you know not even if they step outside of the world can they even feel any kind of comfort as to being a woman? What does that mean? Who are you up against? It's really it's very it's becoming extremely difficult. So I I you know I I I, I urge women. Uh, especially Jewish women, to fortify yourself with as much positive energy and who your power is as a Jewish woman in order to get you through everything. Because you're going to have to tap into a lot of different avenues to understand. You know, Hashem made us women. You know, uh, Hashem made Eve. She was a woman. She wasn't, she didn't have, she didn't choose her gender and decide how she's going to switch herself or become a different thing that she wanted to. Um, there, you know, embrace the difference because Hashem did make a di- Hashem did make differences. And I know that I'm saying things that are not politically correct, but I, I really don't, you know, at this point, I really don't care. I'm saying things that are faithfully correct. I'm more interested in faithfully correct than politically correct these days. And you have a real battle. And the only way to really combat that is to, is to fortify yourself with as much knowledge of Judaism and how rich and incredible it is. In order for you, in order for you to go in there with your head held up high and say, "Hey, I am, you know, I am a product of Hashem, and this is how Hashem made me, and this is how, and you know, go back to voracious and stand in your truth." So, and and that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah.
So if there's one message that you want to leave all our listeners, I'd love to continue talking, but it's it's uh, cutting close to the end. What would that message be? I mean, you shared with us so many powerful messages, and I'm so grateful. And I'm sure all our listeners would really yeah. uh, appreciate. Very powerful. But if there's one message that you can leave our listeners, uh, you know, don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to get to to get out of the box because being an orth orthodoxy does exist outside of the box. Don't be afraid to go there. Stand in your truth. And you know what? It's, it's, I'll give you the same phrase that my husband said to me just two weeks ago. It's okay if you don't fit in. Just be yourself. It's okay. And I really, and I really, because you really have to get into the fact that you are good enough. Yeah. You don't have to fit in. Wow. What a great message. That is very and it's so nice to hear that too. Yeah. It's something that really we need to remind ourselves very often. And yeah. each other. Yeah. And each other. Yeah. That's powerful. Wow. Yes. Thank yes. you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I hope we can continue this discussion and I can't wait. We'll do it Definitely. for, we'll do it for the next book. And I wish you the best of luck with the, oh my God. Podcast. I'm excited. I'm excited for the next book. Yes, like yes, thank you. Thanks. Thanks. So Bye. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Oh My God podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform so you don't miss any of our upcoming interviews. If this episode spoke to you, please share it with someone you believe would love it just as much as you did and rate the podcast five stars so we can continue to make content like this for you. Do you have a question, suggestion, or interview request? Shoot us an email to omgpod at gmail.com. That's omgpod spelled O-H-E-M-G-E-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. We're so excited to hear what you think and cannot wait for you to tune in next week. Until then, shalom.